Welcome to church, everyone. Give yourselves a round of applause for being here on the 15th of January. Yes, yes, yes. For those of you who are online with us live right now, um, apparently the season's changed from yesterday to today. For all of those who are watching us, I don't care what the weather is where you are, because what's going to happen today, it could potentially be life-changing. All right? We've just decided. All those in favour of having their lives changed today, all those in favour of just checking it out until you suss out whether these guys are for real or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Uh, my name's Justin. I'm part of the team here at Werribee Baptist Church, and it's very, very cool to be with you. Uh, we have been doing this little series called Steady As She Goes, which, of course, has a nautical theme. And as you can tell, I am very much a nautical person and all about the shore. I, I think I've been, I could count on, on one hand the amount of times I've been on a boat. Uh, I could count on one hand the amount of times I've been fishing and or been even interested in going fishing. So I know, I know, I've just lost half the crowd. Uh, where are the fisher people? Where are the fisher people who love fishing? Love, my son is putting his hand up. Have you ever, I've never, I don't know how that happened. Um, I'm sorry, my son, I will fail you in this regard. Uh, and other things as well, but there's counselling for you. Your mother and I have a fund. Um, <laughs> so, I am not going to give you a whole, a whole lot of uh, nautical references, all right, because I don't know anything about it. Uh, my father taught me how to tie knots with ropes to keep things on the trailer, and then the good Lord inspired someone to create ratchet straps. <laughs> because if you're like me and you think, I know I was supposed to learn this in Boy Scouts, but I never went to Boy Scouts, I don't know how to tie a, a, a knot on a boat or whatever. <laughs> See, I'm even saying a knot on a boat, what is that? Anyway, so, so I just love that people have gone to the trouble of thinking of simpler things that make my life a little simpler. So what we're doing over these four weeks is discussing some of the incredible biographies of the incredible people that are presented to us in Scripture, and they are written there for us to learn. Remember, every word of Scripture is there to inspire, admonish, instruct, do all of those things. So we are going to learn about a guy named Daniel today. What's the first thing for all of those who went to Sunday school and been around church for a while? What's the first thing? Type it in the chat if you want that comes to mind when I name the name Daniel. Anyone shout it out? Lion's Den. Lion's Den, right? So he was famous for almost dying. It's not a bad thing to be famous for. What else? You've got to shout louder, you guys. You've got to. I'm a musician. I'm used to being heckled. It's okay. So if you want to give me feedback, shout it, shout it out if you like. But Daniel, there's a lot of famous things when you associate with Daniel. So uh, the Daniel diet, has anyone heard those two words put together? The Daniel diet, right? So this idea of, of, a, uh, of a spiritual focus and, and, and only eating vegetables and those sort of things, that comes from this book. The, the lion's den story comes from this book. The uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stories come from this book. The great prophecies of tribulation come from this book. The book of Daniel is a fairly broad spectrum book. And so to me, as I've been preparing these last couple of weeks, I've, I've read books, I've, I've listened to podcasts, I've read through the book of Daniel a couple of times, I've got notes and notes in my, in my journal, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm not quite sure that I could, I could tell you everything that I learned over these last couple of weeks, because honestly, it's been inspiring. So the first thing I want to say to you is that the discipline of reading the Word of God is life-giving. It's just that simple. It's really, really life-giving. So I want to encourage you, church, I want to encourage you to remember that the words in here 
uh, are not new words. Uh, my son said to me yesterday, how do you come up with new ideas for sermons? I said, I don't think I do. I don't think there's any new ideas. And you know why I don't think that? Because Solomon said so <laughs> in Ecclesiastes. I don't think there's new ideas. I do think there's new understanding. So if you're up for some new understanding today, are you ready? Okay, so you can get your app out on your phone. Get your app out on your phone if you've got that. Or you can do what I do. I'll have a good journal and a good pen and paper. You can get that out. But if you want to know anything else that's going on in the church life, don't forget, we're on the, we're on the web. We're on the web, the internet. It's on computers now. So you can go and get all of the messages, backtrack through the messages. You can get the app online as well, and you can check out the notes. I would encourage you to engage with these, with these messages more than just hearing the audio of us talking. Because us talking might be inspiring, but when you start writing it down and when you start making observations for yourself, then they're applicable to your life directly. As preachers, I, we do not stand here assuming that we know how your world works, but we do know that the Word of God will speak to your world. Remember, no new ideas, just new understanding, okay? So here's my first question for you today. We're going to talk about Daniel in a minute, but my first question to you today is this simple, how famous is your God? How famous is your God? The second question is, how simple is your plan? How famous is your God? How simple is your plan? And the third question is, how big is your dream? So they're the three questions I have for you today. And I want you to just mull over those as we talk through uh, uh, the Scriptures and talk through some of the understanding that I think I've gained by reading some of the old ideas, all right? Because I think this can speak to you today and I think it can change your life just a little. So, how famous is your God? This is a really unique question because it speaks to how big a space God takes up in your life. Now, how much of your life does your God want? All of it. Everyone gets a gold star. All of it. On any given day, how much of your life does God have? Can I suggest to you that the correlation between how much he has and how much he wants is how much awe you are in on any given day? Because how famous God is to you matters. It means that's how much of your heart he's going to take up. If you are in awe of what God has done in your life, what's God done in your life? What's God done in your life? What's he done in your friend's life? What's he done in your family's life? If you are in awe of those things, God is going to take up a bigger portion of your heart, mind and soul. How many people know that when we are under pressure, then God gets really big? You're like, okay, I've got nothing left. <laughs> Oh God. But when we're doing fine, when I am kind of feel like I'm in control and I'm, I'm kind of doing okay, God doesn't take up as big a space. How famous is your God? Why do I say your God? Because all through this book, you'll see kings like Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and Darius. You'll see all of these kings of foreign nations say things like to Daniel and to, and to the Israelites, your God is the great God. Your God, your God. And God wants to not be somebody else's God. He wants to be your God. So you can flip that and ask yourself, how famous is my God? The authority that you give God in your life matters. This is what Ephesians says. It says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Whose plan? His own. Pastor Stan may have said to you last week, your plan has not a lot to do with God's. <laughs> 
Sorry about that. And this is the plan. God, God, what's the plan? It's right here. It's right here. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. At the right time, under the right authority. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. So here's the kicker. The right authority will bring real unity. What authority are you giving God in your life? How big, how famous is your God? Because how big and how famous God is in your life on any given day will determine how you react. How, you know how, how you know, it's so easy to say, man, the world feels like it's falling apart. It's so easy. I could preach bad news easily, couldn't I? It'd be really easy. Just based on my news feed, I could give you a bunch of stuff that says, look, the world is falling apart. And yet, Jesus said his Holy Spirit would be with us and he would give us peace that passes understanding. And if we have peace that passes understanding, it's because we've given authority to a God that understands us. So the right authority in your life will bring unity, okay? Because in the end, it's not up to you to fix everything around you. It's up to you to point your heart towards God's and say, speak to me and keep me steady. The whole purpose of speaking through these biographies is to realize one simple thing. All of these people that serve God in great and amazing ways that we read about their highlights reel, their highlights reel was based on simple, faithful steps all along the way. Now, in Daniel, we see a group of people that have been exiled from their homeland into Babylon by a despotic king who's a very shrewd king. He knows exactly what he's doing. He starts one of the greatest empires ever known in the world. It was soon to be, uh, it was soon to be taken over by the Medes and the Persians and then by the Romans. We know that the, the kingdoms got bigger and greater and all of that kind of stuff. Alexander the Great, there's a whole lot of history in there that you can find. But... At this time, Nebuchadnezzar goes into Judah and just blows the thing up. And we look at that and go, that's a bit unfair, isn't it? So, cast your mind back to 609 BC. 609 BC, all right, here we go. This is what Jeremiah says. Just as a loincloth clings to a man's waist, so I have made the whole house of Israel, the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah cling to me. How famous is your God? I've made them cling to me, declares the Lord, so that they might be my people for my renown and praise and glory. But they did not listen. This is 609 BC. You know what happens three or four years later? Nebuchadnezzar shows up and takes them all back to Babylon. Here's the thought. You need to cling to what covers you. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, had sat there and said, Israel, your sins are great. And, 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 and God himself is saying, I'm like a loincloth that you need to cling to because it's going to cover your nakedness. It's going to protect you. It's going to keep you safe. It's going to give you everything that you need. But you did not listen. You stopped clinging to me. How famous is your God? Are you clinging to him? Because you need to cling to what covers you. Because there's not a lot of extra, extra wisdom out there in the world that can give you a better outcome. In fact, let's just be honest, there's no better wisdom out there in the world that can give you more than what gives you. So, how famous is your God? Now, Daniel 
Let me just set this up for you in case you, I'm, I, there's a lot of, I'm going to assume a little bit of knowledge at this point. There's heaps you can do by reading the book of Daniel. But Daniel and a whole bunch of young men were taken from their home in Judah to Babylon as exiles. Nebuchadnezzar, being the shrewd political operator that he is, has a death threat over everybody. The amount of times this guy just says, kill them and they die, is a little bit out of this world. So if anybody likes a bit of blood and gore, there's plenty of it in this book. But Daniel and his friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, Mishael, I've forgotten their names, they're Israeli names, but they're there. They come and they are understood as wise young men. It also says they're very good looking. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but there you go. There was an aesthetic thing going on. But they are trained. They are wise and they come from aristocratic homes. So Nebuchadnezzar is not just grabbing any old person. He's grabbing the people that have influence, the people that have influence, and he's bringing them into his court to create more influence and potentially to create a political balance between him and the people that he has taken from their homeland. Daniel comes in to the service of the king and through a number of moments, he stands up to the king and, and says, I will serve only my God. He allows the king to change his name. He allows the king to let him be trained in the ways of the Babylonians, learns about their gods, their religion, their politics, their economics, all of those kinds of things. But he does not let him change how famous his God is in his life. He does not stop clinging to the God of the Israelites, to Yahweh. And at one point, he says to him, King, he says, King, this dream, you know, Daniel was an interpreter of dreams, right? He was an interpreter of dreams. So Nebuchadnezzar has had a troubling dream. Daniel comes and interprets the dream for him and says, you know what the dream means, Neb? It means that you are arrogant and you're out of line. And if you don't turn and repent... My God is going to humble you in a crazy kind of way. He's going to cast you out of your palace. He's going to send you out into the forest. And he's going to make you basically live like an animal for years until you humble yourself. Wild dream, even wilder interpretation, even wilder that Daniel would stand before a king who could quite literally say, drop him down dead now and he would die. But he's bold enough to say it. And then this is what Nebuchadnezzar does a year later. It says, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? For the glory of my majesty. And of... He's been warned. He's been told. He's been, he's been told to stop sinning. And yet he thinks that he's done it all himself. What's the greatest trouble any of us have? Our own heart. What's the hardest thing to, uh, to, to, to actually control? Our own heart and our own tongue. That's, that's what Scripture says over and over and over again. It's a really simple thing. How famous is your God? How much room does he take up in your life? How much authority do you give him? And if you give yourself authority, he will humble you. Nebuchadnezzar at that very moment was cast out of his kingdom and into the wild. Daniel had built a track record. You'll see it here in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself 
with the royal food and wine. That's the episode where he comes in first time to the court and they say, eat the king's food and the king's wine. And he says, no, me and my friends, if you don't mind, we're going to stick to our diet, which is honoring of our God. And, uh, and do you know what? Daniel actually put the servant in danger because by even asking the servant, can we eat different food? The servant's life was now in danger because that would be disobeying the king. This is crazy stuff. But we know that 10 days later, he and his friends looked healthier and the king said, that's great, you guys go for it. And by the way, you're the wisest people we've ever met. In uh, 6.13, it says, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Why do I bring that out there? Because in this part of the story, this is 50 years later, he's serving not Nebuchadnezzar, but Darius. Darius is a bad dude. Darius, is, he's, he's set up these, these idols and he says, you know what? This dude here, this is, this is the, 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 the dobbers, the dibber dobbers, come and dob Daniel in. You know what they dob him in for? Doing what he's always done. He's always just prayed. He's always just served God. He's just stayed consistent. That was the one that got him thrown into a den of lions, just by the way. Just for praying three times a day. Just for staying consistent. Just for God being the most famous one in his heart and in his life says this, therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right. Oh, I'll put that out of order. I do apologize. And your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. He had the courage to say this to Nebuchadnezzar, who could have killed him for saying it. Not only repent of your sins, but do something else. Be kind. Nebuchadnezzar's entire military history had nothing to do with kindness and everything to do with the might of his own arm. That's why he could walk through, the, through Babylon. By the way, Babylon, which we believe he built the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. This guy was no slouch. He was shrewd. He was wise. He was clever. He was full of himself. Don't just repent of your sin. Go and be kind to the oppressed. In other words, do a complete reversal of what you've been doing your whole life. Does that not sound like the same challenge that we're given each and every day by a God who loves us and wants better for us? So, how simple is your plan? It strikes me that oftentimes we're looking for, you know, the next big thing. The next big idea. Surely by now someone will have figured X out, whatever X is. Whatever your biggest need in your life, for parents you're looking for some sort of parenting trick, for, for, for people that are trying to pay off a mortgage you're looking for some sort of financial trick, for, for, for people that are looking for cars that don't crash themselves, <laughs> whatever. You're trying to get to the next. You're trying to get to the next big answer all the time. That's kind of how our heads and our hearts think. We are almost convinced on a daily basis that things aren't working out because there's a cleverer person out there who can do it. There's a, there's a smarter idea. There's a, there's, a, there's a wiser idea out there. And Scripture keeps bringing us back to these very, very, very simple things. If you're feeling a bit tossed by the waves at the moment and you're wondering why we're talking about steady as she goes, this is why. Because we have to be reminded to use the KISS principle. You know the KISS principle? 
Keep it simple, saints. <laughs> Keep it simple, saints. Daniel's boldness, Daniel's boldness was firmly grounded in simple faithfulness. I'm just praying three times a day like I've always done. I'm just sticking to my understanding that this, this food is the clean food that I've been told to eat under Jewish law. This is what I've been told to do. Remember that, that Nebuchadnezzar had changed their names from Hebrew names to Babylonian names. He'd literally taken God's name out of their names and replaced them. You can read this history as well. Replaced all of their names with names that related to Babylonian gods. He had literally renamed them with the, 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 the names of gods of his religion. But for Daniel, that had changed nothing under the surface. That hadn't changed who he was. That hadn't changed how famous God was in his life. That hadn't changed the awe with which he approached his God. And that hadn't changed the simplicity with which he went about his faith practice. Many times through the book of Daniel, you'll read that it was understood that he was the wisest of men. He continually stood boldly in front of despotic leaders that could have dropped him at any instant and said, no, this is what I have to say to you. I have to say to you to repent. I have to say to you that I will not bow down to a graven image. I have to say to you that I will not eat this food that has been sacrificed to idols. I have to say to you that I will not put anyone before my God, Yahweh. I have to say that to you, but I can say that to you with boldness because my heart is so full of the fame of the awe of God that I am more in awe of holy fear of him than I am of any of you. That's Daniel's basic position. It's firmly grounded in simple faithfulness. Check this out. Just a couple of little scriptures that you can go and explore yourself if you want to. Daniel uh, 1, 11 to 21, this is the very important dietary decision. This is the one where he sits there and says, I don't want your food. Go and read that. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful expression of just simple faithfulness where God came through for him. In Daniel chapter 2, a very important prayer meeting. A very important prayer meeting. Why? Because again, Daniel's life is under threat. And you know what he says? He says to his friends, hey, you three, let's pray together. Because we're two or three gathered in the name that commands a blessing, right? Do you know why he called that prayer meeting? Do you know why that, that prayer meeting was so important? Because the king had come and said, I have had a dream and I want you to interpret it. But I'm not even going to tell you what the dream was. Not even going to tell you what the dream was. And when his magicians and his sorcerers and all of those people said to him, King, this cannot be done, as, as in no one across the world can tell you what you dreamed as well as what it meant. You know what the king's order was? Have a guess. Go on, have a guess. Yeah, off with their heads, right? Off with their heads. That was his order. And so they literally start killing the wise men and, and, and the leaders of the city because they couldn't do something that they couldn't do. And so the servant comes to Daniel's house and he's there literally to kill him. And Daniel says, can we just chat about this for a second? I don't know how this, I don't know how this went down, but, but I, I get this very strange picture of someone coming in to take his life and him saying, what if we just talk about this first? Why would the king give such a decree? And he explains it to Daniel. It's because of this dream. And he says, Go back to the king, servant, go back to the king, and please just ask him for time. Now, Daniel knows that he hasn't got a week, he hasn't got a month. He literally calls a meeting that night with his friends and says, pray with me. 
And wisdom was granted to him and understanding was granted to him. And not only did he see the same dream as Nebuchadnezzar, he brought the meaning as well. And even though it meant, it literally meant, the the meaning of the dream literally meant the end of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, he was still bold enough. How can you be that bold? When your gift is going to get you into trouble. You ever had to be the mediator where you know you've got to use your your gift, your skill, your life practice, whatever it is, and you've got to stand between this party and this party, and there's no way around it. You're going to be the bad guy in the end, but you've just got to do what you've got to do. You ever been in that situation? Nobody actually really wants to be in that situation. But in a faithful life, you are going to find yourself in that situation more than you'd like to think. What was Daniel's response? To call his friends together and pray. In Daniel 7, 28, the beginning of some of the descriptions of some of the, uh, the dreams that he has about literally about the end of the world. He says he wakes up troubled. He wakes up pale. Can I put it to you that as much as we love to read these stories and see the highlight reel and see the beauty of the outcome of some of the wins of Daniel's life, we also need to understand that it was not comfortable. He did not live a cozy life. He lived a challenged life, but he lived a life in which God was the most famous thing in his life. He stood in awe and in wonder of Yahweh, and he kept it simple. This is a prayer from the New Testament that I think can apply to us today. It says this, so we have not stopped praying for you. This is Paul speaking to the church at Colossians, to the Colossian church. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will, and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Anybody in the room or online got complete knowledge of God's plan yet? Please write a book, I'll buy it. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need to be filled with joy. (laughs) Complete knowledge, spiritual wisdom and understanding, strengthened because of his glorious power, but but with all that glory, you've still got to have endurance and patience. And what comes out of that? Joy. Joy is not happiness. Joy is understanding that God is good despite. Joy is understanding that endurance and patience is a spiritual gift given to you for such a time as this. Always for such a time as this. What's happening right now? What do you need right now? How famous is God in your life right now? How simple is your plan? Because you don't know his plan, but we're going to keep praying for that wisdom and that knowledge and that understanding so that you can have the endurance and the patience that equals joy joy that will keep you going, walking towards your God. At no point do we see Daniel back away. At no point do we see him back away. How famous is your God? How simple is your plan? How big is your dream? Here's what I think most godly dreams are made up of. We want to move the hand of God. For our health, for our friends, for our global workers, for a war that's happening on the other side of the world that we have no ability to do anything about, for the argument that's happening between a sister and a brother, 
for the breakdown of family. We want God's hand to move. Do you know why we want God's hand to move? We want God's hand to move when we understand that we're out of options. So, how big is your dream? It's actually the biggest dream in the world. That your God could be so famous in your life and your plan could be so simple that when you pray, he would actually hear you. But you know what? It's not actually a dream. It's what he says he will do. He will hear our prayers. Remember what we said at the start, the right authority matters. So with the right authority over your life, with God at the center of your life, what you seek will be sound. At no point did Daniel seek fame for himself. At the start, when he proves himself to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar gives him a whole lot of gifts and a whole lot of titles. 50 years later, he's standing in front of Darius and he says, I'll give you all of these gifts if you can interpret my dream. You know what Daniel's response is? Mate, keep your gifts, don't need them. At the start, it was about establishing. At the end, it was about leave it alone, I don't need that. He, he wasn't swayed by gifts or titles. You'll see him raised to the second most important, then dropped to nothing, then raised to the third most important, then dropped to nothing. And he doesn't care because that's not what Daniel's life is about because God is so famous in his life. What he is in awe of is not title or possession or place. It's just his God. It's just his God. And with the right authority, what you seek will be sound. What he sought was God's will. What he sought was wisdom. What he sought was understanding. And you know this very famous scripture from Matthew 6. It just says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things. Here's what I think you need to do. You need to take the all these things part of it. Sorry about that. Just broke something. It's all right. You need to take the all these things part of it and decide what all these things are for you. What are the all these things? Because I'm challenging myself and I'm challenging us right now to narrow that as much as you can each and every day to make all of these things the awe of God. Because let's go back to our questions. How famous is your God? How simple is your plan? And how big is your dream? All just circles back to how famous is your God? Because the size of your dream, if it's out of whack with the fame of God in your life, you're going to struggle with your dream. You're going to fight and fight and fight and you're going to exhaust yourself fighting for your own dream because in the end, it's become about you. But if you make your life about God, he will make your plan simple because he knows his plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, you can go into that. Jeremiah in that same passage actually prophesied a bunch of stuff that was going to happen in Daniel anyway. That whole thing of I know your plan, I know the plans I have for you. By the way, some of the plans are to teach you lessons in the desert, teach you lessons in captivity, teach you lessons in circumstances you don't want to be in, but we are going to keep this plan simple. We are going to keep God at the center. We are going to pray when he asks us to pray. We are going to bow down when he asks us to bow down, not when man asks us to bow down. And we are going to focus our lives on his fame and his awe. That's what we're going to do. Is that all right with everybody here? Here's the thought, just as we close this out. How steady are you is the question we're asking of ourselves as a church over this January. How steady you are will be founded on these three things. How famous God is 
in your life. How simple your plan is. Remember, Colossians, he has the plan. (laughs) So keep God at the top. He'll give you the plan. He already knows the plan. And how big your dream is. It's a massive dream we have. As a church, as a movement, as part of God's people in this area, we believe that we can move the hand of God to touch people's lives so that they come into an understanding and salvation of Jesus Christ. That's what we're preaching. That's what we believe. We believe that people's lives can be changed. We believe that my life can be changed if we follow this plan. So where you have struggled to pray, Don't try and say lots of words. Pray a simple prayer. Sometimes a simple prayer is just, dear God, help. Pray that three times a day. Then, dear God, help me see differently. Then, dear God, help me see others differently. Then, dear God, help me see others with love. And just keep expanding the words. You don't need lots of words. You don't need anything clever. There's no smarter prayer out there than the one that is built and and, and spoken from the heart of one who is humble before God. You don't need clever words. You don't need deep and meaningful understanding of this incredible book. Although you you will get it if you ask him. He will give you your heart's desire. But my friends, the keep it simple part of this is everything. The dream is incredible. The dream is beyond us. The dream is, is that, that, that his kingdom would come. The dream is that my life would be changed because of what I've read here and what I've seen in the gathering of the saints and the testimonies that we share with one another of how good God is. Daniel had seen horrific things. He'd seen his home nation destroyed. He'd seen a king that had been, his own king of Israel, Manasseh, had been dragged away with a hook between his nose. It's there. And they had destroyed their holy places and they had destroyed their culture and they had taken their people. But where Daniel landed was not about the physical place. It was about how he sought God's face. Because it wasn't fearful of men, he stood in awe of God. My friends, I don't think that our faith is supposed to be political. I don't think our faith is supposed to be an economic plan. I think our faith is supposed to be that which holds us steady in good times and bad. When the waves are coming and when the waters come, because of these three simple things, we make God our number one. How famous is your God? We keep our plan simple. I'm just going to talk to him every day. I'm just going to ask him, what do you want today, God? What are we doing today? And I'm going to keep my dream big because moving the hand of God should astound each and every one of us, which brings us back to standing in awe of our famous God.
Daniel lives an incredible life. You can find resources everywhere on his life. But I hope something that's been said today has, has maybe sunk a little deeper, stuck a little more, reminded you of where you were going, maybe brought you back onto the path. But I want to encourage you in person here in the room and, and, and our online crowd, if you'd like us to pray with you, we can pray simple prayers with you and ask God to walk with you because that's doing faith life together. That's what church is about. That's what faith community is about. So we sing together and we pray together and, 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 and we meet in life groups and we do, we do communion together and we do all of these things just to remind us day after day after day that to stay steady is actually really simple. Put God first. Keep dreaming. God bless you, church. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the life of Daniel. We thank you that there are new, no new ideas, but there is new understanding. And I pray that in some way today, we've gained some new understanding. But where there are gaps, help us not to think that somebody else can find those answers for us. Teach us again to come to you in prayer, to come to you in discipleship and, and, and read our word and speak to others who have walked this journey longer than us and ask for wisdom and ask for understanding. But Lord, right now, I pray for all of us who are feeling unsteady. Feeling unsteady because of an argument that hasn't been resolved, because of a debt that, that, that hasn't been fixed, because of something that the history of, uh, of the pain is now so far gone that they can't go back and change it. There's no possible way to change it. Lord, I, we, we are reminded that you are a God that gives us peace that gives us joy that gives us wisdom and understanding and endurance and patience and faith and that leads to an understanding that you can help us forgive where we need to forgive you can help us to let go of what we need to let go of and you can remind us to cling to that which will cover us to cling to your love, to cling to your blessing, to cling to the promises that are always yes and amen. Lord, may your peace be with us and may it go with us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.